Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. And I remember the first time I heard her say it, when she said, sometimes it is hard to tell the difference between dusk and dawn. They look the same for a split second, which is why you have to know you're hearing from God when choosing the right leader. Because a lot of people chose leaders who looked like they were on the rise when actually the sun was setting on who they were, even though their numbers were blowing up, even though they were all over television, even though they were one of the biggest churches in Tulsa or wherever you live. A few years later, crumbling, scandal, truth, adultery, all kinds of things were blowing out of the scenes, and people realized in that moment of choosing, they chose the wrong leader. And so I just want to say to you today, make sure you are choosing the right leader for the right reasons that have nothing to do with carnality. We really don't think we're carnal. We, we think if, no, I, you know, I'm less holy. I only listen to Christian music. I don't watch that trash on television. And so I'm not carnal. Meanwhile, making every kind of decision under the sun according to the flesh. Even though you'll say you pray. You can still pray and make decisions according to the flesh. You can still receive prophecy and make decisions according to the flesh. And uh, so I feel that the Lord to say that to you today. Choose the right leaders for the right reasons. Make sure whenever you are yoking yourself up with someone that you're not being caught up in the tidal wave of popularity and not necessarily with what God has said, but that's my person right there. That's my apostle. That's my prophet. That's my pastor. That's whomever. Choose God's choice. And that can often take a lot of prayer. Sometimes it's a very simple decision. And, I mean, I don't remember deciding I was going to stay with Dr. Price. I just came and never left. I mean, we really want to have this catharsis, this huge emotional moment. Yes, Lord, this is just the person I was. And... When I met her, you know, it was completely like nothing I ever grew up with on any level. And I was intrigued and I was interested and my brain was hurting. And I thought that's different. My mind hurts in church. I didn't know your mind could hurt about Jesus. And, oh, I'm challenged. All right. And then I just kept coming back. 
and each week I thought that'd be my last week for probably a year. Now he won't serving a ministry. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning I thought, oh, okay. There was no huge fallout. And that's what I mean by carnal and sensual, looking for all those signs of confirmation that that's where you should be. I thought, well, you know what? She's saying something I haven't heard before. I'm going to keep coming back as long as she's saying something I haven't heard before. Nineteen half years later. <laughs> now I'm locked in, okay? <laughs> like, I know. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm never leaving. But at that time, it, it wasn't that. There wasn't a show. There wasn't any of those things. It was like, oh, okay. I have said a prayer to the Lord. I want to hear something different. I feel like I have heard every message that can be said. The same rehash of the rehash. I was 20 years old talking about I felt like I already heard everything that anybody's going to say. The Bible is so thick, yet I feel like the sermons are so thin. What's happening here? And when I met Dr. Price, I realized, oh, I think this is God answering my prayer. And it was really just that basic. And here we are, nearly two decades later. Still answering my prayer. And now becoming an answer to other people's prayers. Who knew? So I wanted to put that out there. And it, I guess it's a great segue into today's audio archive. Actually, today's audio archive is more recent, but it's still, you know, a recent archive. And it is called Scripturally Organic, Culturally Unmodified Detox. This is one of the first messages Dr. Price rolled out when we were in between breakthroughs. <laughs> well, we were just broken. We were like, what? But this was the catalytic season to where we are now. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything but God ousting us out of our comfort zone so that we wouldn't miss this season. But she was rolling out the beginnings of Scripture Organic Culturally Unmodified. So she had just started saying that, and we were like, ooh, that has a ring to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the early lessons, if you were following us online, I believe we were at the, in the mall. Right when we were in the mall at that time, her lessons had the detox spray bottle. Yeah, that's what this one is. Introducing the carnal. Carnal Christianity. The carnal Christianity spray. So this is that message. And she kicks it off by talking about Christianity was never about congregations. It was always about populating the nation. And we've taken the icing on the cake and made it the cake. She said, no, the church is, is the moment of celebration of victory, not the actual point. That's where we go to be revived, to be restored. But we're supposed to take this thing to the nations, to disciple the nations, and how the assignment, the charge, was to take the world from being polytheistic to monotheistic. Having, serving just your pick of God. Oh, look at this planter. This is so cute and green. You know what? Today I'm going to worship this. You know, people, and they still do. Something that inspires them, that's what they're going to worship. I'll tell you, and you can tell a devil is behind this, because this makes no kind of sense. I was watching a show where the, a woman is a high, high, high-ranking PhD, whatever, and it's the myth of Christianity and the myth of Jesus and whatever. And so they have this one episode where the universe, her dead mother comes to her after she's been injured kind of thing. And the universe talked to her. So it makes more sense that the universe somewhere out there wanted you to have closure over your dead mother, but Jesus Christ is a myth? That's too much to believe? Oh my, you can tell devils are seated in high places right now writing scripts and storylines because that doesn't make any more. You don't 
than you do to believe Jesus Christ. And in fact, you can pinpoint Jesus. Find him, locate him. Some mysterious thing. Dr. Price is so right. This doesn't make any kind of sense. But I tell you what, your understanding is opened up. You hear the nonsense. We make these messages available. We do these broadcasts relentlessly, week in and week out, so that you can recognize the devil no matter how much schmear he has put on it, how much shellac, no matter what celebrity is modeling it, or how amazing the beat is to the music. You can bypass all of that and say, that's a devil, or that's God. Nobody else has said, no, the Lord is in that. That's not deep because of deep. No, no, that actually is the Lord. And let me show you how and why. That's why we do this. So you want to get this audio. Man, and then she just threw this statement out here. People without identity do nothing with their lives. You will know you are in an identity quandary because you don't know what to do with your life. Don't know which career to pick. Don't know what friends to make, what job. I just, I don't know. I just feel like I'm floating. I'm, you know, I'm in limbo. I'm whatever. Identity, it could be an identity crisis, loss of identity, maybe uh, it could be sometimes your whole identity is wrapped up in a relationship, it falls apart, somebody you love dies, you can't even find yourself anymore. All of those things are sign of a loss of identity. You should take a ministry assessment questionnaire if you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Dr. Price invented tools and resources to identify you from the inside out and the outside in. And so she said, in order for you to shop for a faith, you have to shop for a God. And we teach in modern Christendom that you determine your Christianity by your experience, is what she broke open. You go to a church, how does it make you feel? Not what are they saying, not what are they teaching. How does it make you feel? I'll tell you what, I was blown away when I moved to Tulsa. The number one question people asked when you went to a church was how many people go to that church? Number one, hands down without fail. Now, I would say that after all this fallout, that question isn't asked that much anymore to me. They really don't. And now when it's asked, people say, oh, good, because you know what? I went to a really huge church and I kind of got lost. But I'm coming because you're not... 90,000 big, yet. Sorry, guys. It's going to happen. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm looking forward to the day when it does, and we're all over the place. Uh, but, uh, you know, and as we grow, and they're looking for that quality because back in the day, quality was determined by how many people were coming to your church. Oh, you have less than 5,000? Less than 5,000. Where I grew up, 5,000 is small? Where did I move? <laughs> 800 is small? A church of less than 1,000 is small? Wow. I wasn't ready. And so that was a hard shift. But now the pendulum has swung, and a lot of people got burned in a mass of big numbers. And they're looking for that quality with quantity, but definitely the quality of the word, the integrity of the gospel that's being preached. They woke up and realized Uh, my pastor doesn't read the Bible in church, ever. I don't have to take my Bible to church. You don't take your Bible. Please have it on the screen. You know, we like paper. We're paper people. You know why? Probably because our apostle is an author. No, the one one that got me, can I just stick in my own? Because I want to say, hold on, because you're hitting it today. She asked me if I was going to preach. Okay. And she said she had nothing. 
We never believed that. Don't believe the Bible. Okay. But let me tell you how. I was, we were driving home from church last Sunday. We were coming out of a church. We passed the church, you know, the little life church around the corner. Oh, yeah. Y'all need to tell it? Yeah. This girl is coming out with coochie cutter shorts on. I mean, her crotch is wrapped up. These people are coming out with half their clothes on, thighs hanging out, flip-flops. I don't care what your preacher says. That is unsaved attire. And she talked about that, actually, in this message. I was too done. I said, then why go to church? Go to the mall. Go to breakfast. Go to the... Go to the club. club. Go to the club club. When I looked at, and I've seen that, I mean, they all, they come out with this, I said, and you know why? Because in their mind, proving that Jesus doesn't make a difference and that Christianity has no purpose other than to give you a Sunday gathering. That's it. Yeah. It's more important than manifesting Jesus Christ. I looked in, I said, I don't care if you grow in 5,000 churches a month. You are not to, you're not growing up for Jesus because you should not have people looking, being as new in church yeah. as they are everywhere else. Nudity has never defined Christianity. Hold on. Uh-huh. Somebody, hashtag, repost that. Nudity has never defined. And growing up, and even in our church, People who come in because they're accustomed to that, they aren't there more than two or three Sundays. They get because they gotta take the clothes off. Baby. They got to put no. I mean, if they keep coming, oh, they they're like, oh, it. okay. So where do you get mm-hmm. your your cardigan? Where do you get? I mean, all the women here are covered and dressed. That's a sad statement on mm-hmm. the church when other people coming in have to note. Not just how sharply dressed we are, but that we are covered. And they make a big deal out of it. And let me tell you something. See, those are fertility cults. Come on. See, because Jesus said many false Christs were going to come and pretend to be him. And you would know them by their fruits. That's what he said. And then he talks about in Matthew 7, 15, how people will say, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we do that in your name? I don't care how big they are. I don't care how many shopping malls they buy. I don't care how many supermarkets they empty. I'm telling you, that's a fertility culture. And you need to know because somebody needs to stand up and tell you what Jesus Christ is. Because a lot of people are Christian, but they are not a part of Christ. A lot of people carry the name of Christian. A lot of churches carry the name of Christian, and they are not part of Jesus Christ. They are the ones that are sent there. They are like the snake oil. Yeah. You know, because it was a snake that took out Adam and Eve. It's snake oil. So they got that snake anointing that says you can do all of this stuff that that got me kicked out of heaven. You can do it and stay in Christ. And so they are literally salespeople. I don't care what you said. God gave me a word this morning. He said, but is your church going dark? Oh, Lord. Is your church going dark? And is, is your church going nude? Because, see, these devils are not just sitting in governmental seats. They've got their access to governmental seats through preachers, through pastors. And I don't care, and I'm telling you, because an apostle is God's muscle, but an apostle is also God's microscope. We are also God's evaluator. We assess, and our job is to assess. Paul dealt with modesty, immodesty and nudity all the time because those people were coming from pagan gods. 
and they were bringing the attire of their pagan god to Christ's church, to his communion. They were bringing fertility rights. That's why these women are going to church naked, because these women are going to church naked because they are there to, like the people of like Baal Peor, they are the women of Baal Peor who want to have you have sexual orgies with them so God can take you out. You want to talk, don't you? Well, you said in this teaching that's on sale today, after today's show, that the sign that another God has taken you over, and you went back to eat, mm-hmm. how when Satan entered them, the glory departed, they realized they were naked, God put clothes on them. Mm-hmm. And how now the sign to know that you have sold out to another God is they take off your clothes. They strip you naked because you're a fertility cult. They want you to be, they, I promise you, I know that this is right by the Holy Ghost. They want you to be distracted by a woman's naked side sitting next to you in church because they want you to be aroused. They need that fertility arousal because devils travel through sex. Now, they will come through your breath. They will come through your air. They will come through your pores. But they establish themselves. They get your permission to give them permanent residence through sex. And you need to know that. So you go to those churches and you listen to them. Yeah, but that's religious. Yeah, but that's legalistic. I want you to understand that in heaven, they wear clothes. In heaven, they're clothed not only with whatever tire they, attire they have, but they are clothed with the glory. And if you're not, if you're walking in the glory of God, we shouldn't see your behind. We shouldn't see your thighs. So there's no glory on those churches because those churches are not fathers. What did he say? He said, but we entertain angels unwept. Yes. And he wasn't just talking about the good angels. Uh, we just assumed that scripture was like, but, but the reason he said it was because he wanted you to know that devils strip people. That's why Hollywood is naked. Yes. That is why movies are full of naked. It's naked because they all have surrendered to fertility God and God of and I said to, I looked around, I said, now, God, I, I actually stopped at that church, and they got the happiest little people you ever want to see, all fleshed up, you know? Because I want you to know, even enthusiasm and joy and all of that has, is just as much of an enticement as anything else. They're the happiest little people. They wave at you when you go by. I'm watching churches all over the country saying, I want to be that. I don't want a church where God got to let devils be my minister. I don't need to go because I, I, I was with a devil before I got saved. When I cut ties with devils, I, I, I was in all of that stuff. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, there, there's nothing, you know, like people want to sit there and say, well, you know what? I want to expose you. You don't have to expose me. I told you myself. I needed the fall. I needed every drop of that man's blood. I needed every power of that he had. Scrub me. I needed that word. And baby, I needed the stills from with lots of. So I don't, you, you can't even tell me, but, but, the, but the fact that I lived that life and the fact that I was that vile and I was involved in all of those gods and goddesses things made me a great watchman for the Lord. So when this stuff started creeping in, I was surprised to meet a major prophet with, with, uh, with uh, we call them, those kind of pants, playset, play somebody's pants, skinny, I was stunned. I said, oh, and, and let me tell you, where is she today? I said to God, 
talking to you, I don't care about them. They want to stay lost, be lost. You know, the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. But to the sinning and defiled, nothing is pure. Is that a powerful word? Yes. To the sinning and defiled. So these people who call us legalistic, it's because they're sinning and defiled. You need a definition of the scripture. We haven't read enough, y'all, and quoted enough scripture. Don't know what it means. Yeah. Don't know what it means. Doesn't know why God said it. But I'm telling you, you go to a church with, where they they celebrate all of that nudity, all of that body cons, and all of that. You need to understand, you are not in the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care what the preacher says, but you are a church that literally sold your soul for your butt in the seat. So that was a pew sale because I'm telling you that is not it was just, they sold the pew to the spirits of death and darkness because God started this thing out. The woman, if God was all of that happy with nakedness, why do we preach in John chapter eight the woman that was caught in adultery, drug her out naked, and threw her in the street? So how is adultery for Jesus when he has John chapter eight to rebuke? We only teach that, though, you know, going and stand up Christ. We only teach that to talk about how um, the woman, how the woman was unclean, and that she was, you know, in adultery. But we really want to teach that. We teach that to show you how Jesus didn't mind that she was unclean and in adultery. And he told her, "Go sin no more." Now there was an injustice there, <clears throat> to be sure, because I want to know where the brother was. See, that bigotry and bias in the church is still the same. These males will sell your behind because they, they know Satan requires them to give them an Eve to destroy. There has to be a daughter of Eve to be destroyed in order for them to get what they need. That's why they push that. That's why. Are you kidding me? Jesus who tells you that the only reason he, is, he understands and indulges sex is because of marriage? No, your church has been sold to, to darkness. Those are demons and not preachers. I'm telling you. Now, they bar and preachers' bodies, but they're not preachers. <laughs> and I'm, I look at that, and every time we go, it's like you can tell it's repugnant to the Holy Ghost because you get this, you get this vile, like, I really want to vomit. And everybody celebrates. They got numbers. They got numbers. They got numbers. Well, hell, appreciate you for your future population. Thank you. Because you are making sure that Satan does not have to be in hell without any subject. You have to see them when you go by. You probably haven't seen them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, and y'all sit there and y'all think you're selling. Nobody said, what part of Jesus? You know they don't teach scriptures. They teach the excerpted scriptures. They pull them out of context. Because the scriptures are convincing. When you read that Bible yourself, it convicts you. It convicts you because the Bible is meant to pierce your flesh so that it penetrates your soul. And in your soul is the true witness of who you are and what you are to Jesus Christ. Your soul is literally the recorder and the, the witness and the testifier of who you are outside of that body. Your soul tells on you. We talked about that last night when I had the pleasure Mm. In honor of uh, being on Wednesday Warriors with Chief Prophet Tyler Price, 
And I, we talked about that. You have no idea. God got this thing so sold up, we can't beat him. We cannot beat him. We talked about how your blood is the legal issue and instrument of God's divine judgment. Your blood says who you are. When people are rebellious and hard-hearted, they take on a whole other chemistry. That's how God knows it. They take on a whole other, you know, a rebellious kid, rebellious adult. Uh-uh. They call, we call them, we got words for them. They call protesters. They're called defiant. They're called belligerent. None of that is physical. That's all zoological. So you can walk around, you can go to your church and say, yeah, well, they do that, but I don't. But you approve. Paul said in Romans, if, you are, if you're with them, then you approve it. And you get the same judgment as if you're doing it. Which is, which is why a lot of crimes, everybody involved goes down for the crime. If somebody dies in the commission of a crime, everybody involved in that crime mm-hmm. goes to jail for that murder, even if they're not, even if they weren't the one who pulled the trigger. Accessory after the fact. That did not begin with man. So God, so when, when we're after the fact, when you're in the afterlife, where after facts are recorded, you understand God does not say, yeah, but you kept yourself pure in the midst of. No, no, no. He says, you need to leave. You should have left. You knew that wasn't me. And then you walk around sitting here lying, talking about church hurt. You left the church that was hurting Christ. You stayed in the church that was hurting Christ. And you didn't care about that church hurting Christ because you wanted to be what I like to call, you know, faith. Abraham's nephew, remember? Does anybody remember who we're talking about? Lot, lot, lot. Lot loves sin a lot. Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> he took his whole family into that area. You know why he went? Because it was green, the grass was green, it was lush, etc. And he took his family there. And, and, be and still wanted to stay. Because those spirits, one, they own you, they've been around a long time. They don't let you go easy. And God's not going to deliver you if you're just going to backslide. Ah! Can you please say that again? Peter said, because he's not going to make you a two-fold child of sin. He said, as it is written, the pig went back to her own vomit. Pig vomit can't be nice. And the dog to his own sin. So you, a lot of you all, you want God to deliver you from the embarrassment or the, uh, or the discomfort, or you want your deliverance to come in the form of an approval and a relief from the stress. But God's not going to deliver you because he doesn't just deliver your body. He comes to deliver your soul, which is what we've been talking about. I've been on a journey with the soul. Glad you showed up. Good. I'm busy.
You want God to fix the sins that avenge you, that embarrass you, and all of that. You want that. When God, in fact, wants righteousness, the righteousness that comes from heaven. He said righteousness shall rain down. The coming of the Holy Ghost was the righteousness of God raining down on earth, giving us a shot at eternal life and an escape from, from eternal judgment. So you have got to get to it in your mind. What do you want God to do? Because we give God misdirected signals. We, want to, we don't want to call it a deity issue. We want to call it a faith, a, a crisis of faith. No, you don't. you got a clash of deities. Because there's no such thing as a crisis of faith without a persona, the persona that is backing and, um, we call it, um, administering or administrating that faith. So you don't have, there's no such thing as a crisis of faith. You've got a clash of deities. Unless you say your crisis of faith is whether you want to keep faith in Jesus Christ because of something that you're experiencing or whether you want to quit Jesus and turn to another God because you don't have but two options. And people don't tell you that. They make you think, yeah, well, if you just fast and pray, all of that is nice. If you want to do all of that, that's fine. But you need to understand that the reason you're having a crisis of faith is because another God is scouting your soul. Because when you have faith in a person, the last thing you think about is whether or not you need to put to break away from them. The word crisis, we've all heard it over the years, actually means opportunity. So an opportunistic deity is looking to separate you from Jesus Christ and to take his place in your soul. Oh, I know. Isn't that different? Very different. So this whole crisis of faith, that's a sight. You know, and so we, we have faith and values. No, you don't. You have a deity and its righteousness. Now, we've used all of those words for political circles because we thought it was really safe to do that so that we wouldn't offend people. But in doing so, we lost the seat that we were trying to protect. This is a God war, people. Stop letting people tell you it's just your faith. It just, just has to do with religion. Has to do with your, mm-mm. Religion means bound to a deity, not a doctrine. Deities create theology. That's why theo is in it. Theo, Godology. Theos created. So you have a Godology issue. What God do you want to give your soul to? What I like about being an apostle, of course, I know that, you know, I'm pretty strong. But what I like about being an apostle is that the first apostles understood their job. The modern apostle today is dealing with your faith, is dealing with your experience, is dealing with your soul issues. That is not what the original apostles did. The original apostles did Acts 26, 18. And if you're a real apostle, Acts 26, 18 will speak to you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's that's the role of an apostle. That is why Jesus appeared to Paul, which is why you need Jesus to appear to you as an apostle. And trust me, if you are a genuine apostle and you haven't had that happen, when you ask him, he does it. And he does it because you get ready to take heat for him. And because of the heat you're about to take, you have to be like Stephen and say, I see the Lord 
standing on the right side of God, or you have to be like Paul, get knocked off your horse on the road to Damascus. I want you to hear me, because apostles are supposed to represent a sender, and that sender has got to be a sovereign. If it's a kingdom of apostles, or a senior leader, if it's a denomination. That means an authority, an authority. Apostles are supposed to represent Jesus Christ and uphold his throne's dominion over all the works of his hands. So a lot of, a lot of y'all are just saying, because well, they, they call you an apostle, you get excited. People tell that. I usually ask, how did you become one? <laughs> See, I used to try, I used to subscribe to the one, but I don't want to hurt their films. Are you kidding? They're hurting Christ. If you're not an apostle, then you're a damager. And you're undoing his work. So I need you to know, you, I need to know how you became an apostle. Paul had to tell his conversion over and over and over again, beginning with proving that he was called to be an apostle by the same Jesus that rose from the dead and before dying summoned the twelve into his service. Peter and, and James and John did not take people's word for it. That's not, they did not treat it as an assumed title. It's, it's just not an a, a automatic upward call, you know? This is a commission, and your commission is to, to a man who gave his life and to a God who became a man, who took on the flesh of man to redeem his father's lost populations, lost citizens. Not, not just congregations, not just Christians. Because you need to understand that you're, you're sitting in a church where they're telling you it's okay to do everything that Jesus preached against, and then they tell you that if the problem is not what they're preaching, it's with the Bible, which is outdated. Are you kidding me? And you buy it, and you buy it because of that sinning defilement, that sinful defilement that you have become addicted to. I'm addicted to having my way. I'm addicted to wearing what I want. I'm addicted to no one telling me what to do. I'm addicted to being myself. I'm addicted to my independence. I'm addicted to my individuality. I'm addicted to myself. And I'm not letting myself evaporate for somebody named Jesus whom I may not even see in the afterlife. You're probably right. You're probably right. You probably won't see him. Because Jesus comes for his. He let demons take everybody else. So you need to recognize this. You're in a church and you're sitting there thinking, well, my pastor, he doesn't agree. No, you need to ask your pastor why you don't agree. Ask your pastor to tell you why the Bible's outdated. Ask your pastor to show you the scripture that says the Bible ages out or that the scriptures expire. Ask your pastor that instead of saying, Woo, that means I feel good about being me. I feel good about saying myself. You should ask. We don't ask. I know you've been taught, because I was. You've been taught you don't question the man of God. If the man is of God, they want your question. If they don't want your questions, it's because they're not serving the God you think they're serving. They're not representing the God you think they're representing. If a woman is a woman of God, they want your questions. They need 
your question so they get an opportunity to minister to you and impart to you that which will save your soul and until then keep your soul. For Peter said, we must believe, excuse me, Paul, we must believe to the saving of the soul. Peter says, receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. Your soul is not safe right now. I want you to say, your soul, soul is not secure. That's why Jesus talked about believing to the end, enduring to the end. Your soul has a long journey to convince Jesus Christ that it's worthy of a place in his realm, in his world. A lot, it, 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 I'm talking about an extensive, often agonizing vetting process. Because we, we told you, you got a spirit, and your spirit is saved, so because your spirit is saved, then you don't have to worry about anything else. Well, if that's the case, how do you know your spirit is saved? Because if it doesn't have to show up in your, in, 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 even in your subconscious, and it doesn't have to show up in your intelligence, how do you know you're saved? Because the Bible said, we said that, that, that there are fruits to repentance. And continuing to go to church in your nudity, in your immodesty, and whatever is not a fruit of repentance. It's a fruit of rejection. I'm rejecting Jesus Christ, and I have crafted my own. And the Jesus I serve doesn't care how I look. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He clothes Adam and Eve to let you know that Satan strips them. But I told them. The madman from Gadara, naked as he could be. When he got delivered, he was clothed. And so when they, and when they tell me that, I'm like, you're going to tell me the Bible is what? Show me that. Or what are you running on? Because if you're running on anything outside of Scripture, you have no right to talk to me because you don't serve Jesus Christ, the author of Scripture. See, I need you to talk to me about the author and finisher of my faith, the author of my salvation the captain of my salvation. And if you're not if you're talking about a Jesus that is not that, I need you to understand it. Like when I mean even though the medieval church, you got all of these pictures of Jesus chest out and naked. Uh-uh, that's not Jesus. None of those people are Jesus. Because the Lord knows the purpose of nudity is slavery, savagery, or sexuality. So when you capture, and these guys are doing it, they captured you, and then they took your clothes off. They owned you by not letting you cover yourself. They took your those those fertility deities, they have you in love with your nakedness because they know your nakedness serves their demonic purpose. They need you naked. Devils need you naked so they have easy access to your pores to your flesh, to your soul, not just through your mind, not just through your eye gate, not just through your ear gate. All of that is superficial. In order for them to establish a place, there has to be a, a, a literally a, a, an entrance of your body, which is why God talked about flea sexual immorality, because they have to enter your body. Y'all who are in yoga, y'all got sex issues because of that. Because once that devil gets in your body, he runs up your spinal cord, gets into your brain stem, and takes over your mind, and then begins to maneuver your body the way he wants. That means giving it, I don't know why I keep doing the same thing because you keep serving the same God. See, we think there's no biologic effect or processes associated with your sin. 
You think it's all about your mind and your heart? But my Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks out of the abundance of your heart comes murders and, and immorality. God, Jesus, listen. So if it's just about your heart, why are you not reading what Jesus said he needs to remove from it? Because in your heart is your judgment. And those judgments run through your body, through your bloodline, through the coursing of your blood in your brain. That we, we pay, you look at the, the uh, um, imagery of brain, and, and, and the scientists will talk about something else, but the pagans will always talk to you about the lizard brain, the lizard in your brain that's feeding your brain all of your fear and, and literally receiving what comes up through your chakras, if you will, comes up through your spinal cord. And using that, that that particular flow, which is your marrow and your spinal cord, that using that flow to make sure that your mind never likes Jesus or your mind can't ever tell the truth. They, look it up, lizard brain. Don't take my word from it. And when you look it up and you look in those yoga pictures, the lizard brain, which they call is your basis level of existence, your, your hunger, your, your, your defenses, and your appetite and your sexuality are all controlled by that same lizard, which is a lizard in our country, but it's a dragon in Asia. <coughs> so when, when the serpent entered Adam, he established himself in the base of his brain, which is why scripture said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If your mind had been renewed by Jesus Christ or transformed by the word of God, you wouldn't be in yoga because you'd understand yoga comes from the dragon. And you can talk about, but I just don't think about that. If that lizard is, is locked in your brain, you don't have to worry about it. It just blocks your subconscious, and it does your thinking for you. And it gets its own approval, and it gets its own acceptance. Isn't that wonderful to know? See, because you're thinking, well, you know, they say this, uh, uh, uh-uh. No, those are ancient religions, and ancient religions all report to the brat, to the dragon, because the Bible says that the problem was with that old serpent, the old red dragon. You think God didn't know when he made the serpent that the enemy was going to come and be more cunning than anyone else? I, it cracked me up when Christians said, well, no, I don't believe that. You don't have to believe it. You receive it. And once you received it, you gave it permission. And it's at that moment that you entered yoga that you changed your God. Because I told you, this is the God war. It's a God battle. The God of God over the fallen angels who have reinvented themselves and refiled themselves with God. Are they following me? Are y'all following with me? So I know a lot of y'all, y'all churches are picking up yoga, and you don't, and you think that that's liberating. Woo! We're modern. It is not yoga. It's not modern. It's ancient. First of all, you need to stop lying. Talking about the Bible's dated. Yoga is dated, more dated than the Bible. Now the scriptures are, but the Bible is. Because remember, we didn't get the Bible because good word press. So then we would operate it. So you're talking about we're dated. Your pastor is standing there talking about we're dated. Yeah. And yoga is not just about you, uh, you uh, what do you call it, having a wonderful experience, being cleansed, you being centered and focused because God had all of that. You couldn't 
been more centered and focused than the man Christ Jesus and the 12 apostles that changed the world. So you take a yoga mind when you do yoga, which means you, you beat out or neutralize the mind of Christ that you were given as a Christian. Because that lizard works your brain. Because that lizard knows. We teach that. So that lizard knows because that's what God has to cast out. That entire amphibian institution that takes over your mind. And all you think about is sex, and all you think about is lust, and all you think about is, is addictions, and all you think about is um, uh, satiation. That's all you think about. And when you can meet people who are under that power, because that's all they talk about. Uh-huh. Who I'm asleep with next, what we're going to drink and get high afterwards, all of those are satanic um, rituals and libations. Well, I, I, I know you don't read your Bible. I promise you you don't read your Bible because after a while, that lizard does not want to read that. So you may start out that way. And you walk around and you put on your little, your little yoga, quote, unquote, yoga wear. I look at the yoga people in the past. They don't, they don't, no, they do sit there with half the chest out. We'll get messed. But your pastor literally brought you back under the power of a lizard brain of the dragon. And the lizard is, lizard is nothing but little offspring. Well, see, y'all didn't think that, did you? See, somebody has to tell you why you don't want yoga as a Christian. Somebody has to tell you what God's problem is. And you all are so eager to dump God, you don't ever ask. You're so eager to dump his righteousness, to dump his holiness, to dump his, y'all still loving on me? You're so eager to dump God that you literally, and I mean this, you literally don't ask questions. You will put your soul at risk, your family at risk, your enemies in your house. You will do all of that because you wanted to dump God anyway. That was always your mind. You always wanted to get away from his righteousness. You always wanted to be delivered from his holiness. Some of you all get in deliverance lines to pick up devils, not to drop them off. A lot of occultists get in your prayer lines to pick up your devils because they know that they need to not have that devil homeless. You know, when people talk about, well, you know, the witches come to my church. Come on, because I'm preaching this gospel. Yes, I am. I'm preaching this gospel, and I'm going to tell everybody your secrets. Yes, I am. I'm telling all your secrets, because my job is to release the mysteries of the Almighty, and God knows who you are. I'm telling you, trust me, they wouldn't feel, they're comfortable in these churches because there's nothing to make them feel uncomfortable. Because yeah. either you're going to feel uncomfortable, or you're going to, literally, you're going to get converted, or you're going to flee. Because I did all of that. I'm a good, I'm a good product of the Lord's work. <laughs> so we're going to talk about there is a spirit in man. I need you to understand this. When I talk about, uh, when we talk about uh, yoga, and, um, and, and they tell you, well, it's really not a religion. It's not a religion because a marketer said it. A marketer tell, told you. And so a marketer stole that 
religion and that faith from the people that it was belonged to. That is a thief. And then profit off that thievery. I think the Hindus and the Buddhists or whatever, they have a right to worship what they want because the blood of Jesus is just as much about you choosing him as it is about you refusing him and vice versa. Because, see, we tell you that Jesus wants everybody. Well, he might, but he's realistic. He knows that he didn't get everybody. When he lost Adam, he lost everybody. Y'all need to catch that. And the only reason we're saved is because we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So if you weren't in him before he said, let there be, you won't be saved. You won't like him. You just won't like him. You don't want to hear about him. You don't want to be near him. Christians, get on your nerves. Our praises, our life gets on your nerves. Now, if you're called to him, then our fragrance and our life is convicting. Convicting enough to make you want to check and make sure you did submit yourself or sell yourself to the right God. And it's a by transaction. People don't tell you that. God bought you, literally bought you. Because the price, come on, somebody. Yes, Because yes, yes. the price of a soul. He said it's costly, and there's not one mortal who can give God enough for the souls that they're destroying. Not one. I want you to hear me when I say to you, Christians have no business in yoga because it's based on polytheism. It's based on the dragon, and it's based on the 69 fallen angels that took over the planet. 69 principalities took over the planet and got, as a result from Satan, the genetics of a population tree that they could reproduce, turn into a nation, and rule. See, this is not just crazy stuff. This is Bible. God's been telling you forever. God said he kept one nation for himself. One. All the other 69 belong to the devil, which is why they must be born again, which is why God prophesied so much about how he was going to bring the Gentiles back in. He was going to make, he was going to pull out of the Gentiles. He didn't say every Gentile. He said, I'm going to pull out of the Gentiles a people for my name. Because those of us who were in Christ before the foundation of the world were also scattered and distributed, dispersed throughout all the earth. And God is, the Holy Ghost is shopping. It doesn't make a difference whether it's Middle Eastern, whether it's Asian, African, or, or European, or whatever. God is coming for his own. But he's not going to take you just because he birthed you. He's going to take you and redeem you because you became him. See, God is not only looking for your verbalization. He's looking for his cell life in your soul. He's looking for his genetics in your soul. He's looking for your purification in your soul. Why? We keep telling you, well, God doesn't mind. It doesn't matter. You know why it matters? Because you're looking at your body. You think it doesn't matter because you're measuring by your body. Well, this is just my body. This is just my earth for you. Do you remember we had that whole long thing? This is just your earth suit. God doesn't care what you do with your earth suit. He doesn't, but he does care about the heart that told your earth suit what to do. He does care about the mind that commanded your earth suit to become violent. He cares about that. Because he knows when he gives you a brand new body, because the Bible said we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to do the exact same thing. 
why he stripped Satan of his body. He stripped Lucifer of his body. He took immortality out of him. He stripped him because he knew if I did not strip him, he was going to reinvent himself and try to creep back in my world. You keep thinking it's all about heaven when we just walking around eating, you know, the streets of gold, picking fruit, calling it paradise. No, that's not what it's like. You have to fit a civilization that's already paid the price you're rejected. See, God's population, the citizens of his world, have already paid the price. They already made up their mind that Jesus is Lord, that God's eternal world is the right one, that this is the place they want to be forever. Even if God wanted to bring you there, his citizens would hold him accountable to his word and his righteousness and his truth. He can't bring you there because he either has to let all the devils out of prison. Let all the devils back home. Because they are what shape and form, condition and fill humanity. He cannot bring you into his world. I know you hear preachers that say God is love. God will lovingly send you to hell. <laughs> and he will love you from afar. God has been loving us from afar for ages. So it won't be anything new to him. <laughs> He's still loving us from afar. You be in hell. He's going to love you from afar. But he's not bringing the problems that sin encoded and crafted in your soul into his world. He cannot. And I, I'm going to preach it and preach it and preach it. That Jesus, the minute God through, first of all, the, the minute Jesus became Mary's embryo, he was locked out of his eternal world. He couldn't go back. Because everybody said, well, he could have. No, if he got down off the cross, he'd just be walking around planet Earth. How about how y'all doing? Out there acting like Superman, all useless. (laughs) Because Jesus knew that there would be no end of calamity and trouble and and other crises for people to be rescued from. He had to deal with the cause of the calamity and the trouble and the crises that people were constantly drawn into. Are y'all okay with this? I'm, I'm, I'm my folk okay? Love y'all. Okay. So you can stay with your little shack partner. You can stay with your little gay this and your lesbian. You can do that, but understand there is no room for your practices and your desires and your preferences in the eternal life world. Because God is not the God of those things. Satan is the God of those things. He has to give you. Even if God wanted to, he has got to give it to you if you do not let him remove it from your soul. He's got to turn you over to darkness. He's got to give you to the God that you serve because that's the law of the spirit realm. The apostles should be telling you this, not telling you that, oh, don't worry about it. God will fix it in the end. Who do you represent? What throne are you backing? What throne are you upholding? Because you have to look at this beyond sermonizing, beyond doctrinizing, and and beyond theology. You have to look at those as literal articles of the constitution of a world that predates this one. See, those are all constitutional articles. And the Constitution did not begin with paper. The Constitution began with people, humans, who wanted to perpetuate what they were entrusted with or what they believed would make for a wholesome, prosperous, and long-standing, enduring, or enduring society. 
in order for us to make a perfect nation, a more perfect. You understand that? So this this whole idea, you're listening to your pastors and you're listening to your preachers, and they're saying, well, just watch. And you know the funny thing is, in order for you to find out who's right and who's wrong, you're about to die, and you won't be here to tell us. So the risk is pretty high. And if I already live in a world where sin and de- sin breeds disease, where unrighteousness breeds unfair fairness and inequity and wars and all of that, if I already see that, I'm probably not going to follow that if I don't want to live in this type of climate, in this type of environment or state of existence forever. So you can, we can fight. What I do know is that there's a stronger case for what I'm saying than there is for yours. There's a stronger case because righteousness tends to life. Righteousness brings out holiness. Righteousness brings about prosperity. Righteousness saves the hand of death and disease and disaster. So if we already know that, you're, you're playing with that righteousness. is really scary. Well, I'm not sure because God, after all, that's under the law. Jesus did not abolish the law. I know your preacher told you that, but you need to go to the Bible and read yourself. He did not. He said, I did. Matthew 5 said, I didn't abolish the law. Matthew 5, 5 17. I love Matthew 5 because it begins with you heard it was said, but I said. So Jesus is cleaning the record. He's clarifying and correcting the record. Y'all still working with me? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. We're going to go on. How We talked about the how not to sin, but look at this. Job 32, 8, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Our life begins in the spirit. You began as a spirit being. And your spirit being, as long as you stay spirit, you are in heaven. I got to hit a thing. Yes. See, you are an eternal citizen. You are a citizen of eternity. You are a product of eternity. You are the possession of eternity. If all God did was create you spirit, because he said he makes his angels spirit, and his minister is a flame of fire. So what makes us better than the angels was that God gave us something that he had. Of course, they had their version of it. But God gave you a soul. Because the spirit of God is threefold, a triune, spirit, soul, and body. The Almighty has a spirit. He is a spirit. He has a spirit. And he has a soul. So as long as you were on day six, male and female, in God, still not getting to earth, then you were a spirit being. And nothing pertaining to earth applied to you. The minute God breathed you into the body that, that, that Adam breathed into Adam, the body that would reproduce all of us, the minute he did so, you stopped being strictly a citizen of the spirit realm. Your spirit now traveled from God's world to this one, entered Adam's body, and literally the, soul, the spirit and soul were fused. That's why he said he could separate joint and marrow, soul and spirit, because they were fused. And you became a living soul, because if your soul took on the responsibility of 
keeping you together on earth the way your spirit did or the spirit beings of Christ doing his work. So you became a, a living soul and God, you, you then became killable. See, as long as you were in God and you were spirit, you couldn't be killed because you operated on the pure energy of the Almighty. The pure, literally, the sheer climate, everything in the climate, everything in God's invisible ecology, spirit. He cleaned that out when he cast out all them devils that thought they could be him. And so he sent them to earth. That's why they were in the truth. That's why they were in the atmosphere of earth. They weren't in God's realm. And so your spirit became, literally, when it fused with your soul, it became, listen to this, it became pervertible. Uh, It wasn't pervertible until it came to your soul because your soul is what makes you killable. Remember, we must believe to the saving of the soul. You see a man walking in an unclean spirit is because his soul is not upright. So the minute your soul joined your body, you became a citizen of earth, but you also became obliged to it because the only way to get out of earth into God's world is to be born again. Jesus could not go back home until he was born again in the heart of the earth. So you think you knew salvation. You know, I wrote a book called Salvation, The Power to Make the Difference. Hardly anybody wanted to read it because everybody was assumptive. You assumed that you knew what salvation was, but you're now finding out that you didn't. Because when you know what salvation is, you don't sin. That is what John meant when he said that he who is of God will not sin. He didn't say he who is hanging out in God's territory, who's sitting up in church views. He said when you're really of God, the answers to why not sin and the methods and the techniques to not sinning are innate to you. They're inherent to you. They speak to you. They tell you, you don't want to do that because da 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 Or they show you the spirit because you move in God in such a way that they show you the spirit that is literally proffering, offering you that seduction. And you make a decision based on what is Christ and what is not Christ because you know your new life is Christ and there is no other new spirit to give you if you wreck this one. This is the last one. That's when Hebrews 6 and 10 are telling you. This is God. When he says ultimate sacrifice and ultimate gift, that's what he means. His ultimate sacrifice, I killed my son. His ultimate sacrifice, I sent my son into the world of mortality, and I had to trust his faith and his righteousness and his integrity to bring him back home to me. I killed my son by putting him in the womb of a mortal woman. And when I killed him, I precluded his changing his mind, saying, I'm out, I'm coming home. He could not bring Jesus home in full until he rose from the dead. I'm telling you why folks going to hell. And why God's not going to stop it. 
He said, I gave you my ultimate sacrifice. Somebody here in the room. He said, the God that made you put himself in a sperm so that he can embody himself in your world to save you. Jesus is the only one to do it because he was the first one to do it in Genesis. In Genesis, he created man. That blood that came out of Adam into Jesus, I mean, came out of Jesus into Adam, it came from the God, the maker. Daniel says, Jesus had a son of man existence. Revelation says that he had, he was the Messiah before this planet. Oh, somebody. See what happens when you hang out with them and you call them sugar pie and then you don't take and exploit his intimacy? Because a lot of us, he doesn't take because you exploit his intimacy. Dr. Price, how do you do it? Because you use all them tender moments to ask for stuff. You ask the myth. He's not important to you in those times and in those worships. So you exploit his intimacy. You exploit his closeness, his proximity with you. That is why there's a difference between God becoming intimate with you or bringing you into his intricacy. Not everybody can trust be trusted with his soul. He knows you're going to break his heart. But when you do, those who stand, he said, listen, his secret is with the righteous. Isn't that good? His secret is with the righteous. So the more you handle his secrets with maturity instead of exploitatively, you know, like, I can't wait to go tell it. You know, like how you steal people's revelation and run to the mic. And, okay, see, that's exploiting his intimacy. So he already knows you will defraud it because you've been doing it. But the, the reason Jesus Christ is the only Savior, according to, you know, Acts 4.12, he is the only Savior, the only mediator between God and men is because he's the maker of men as God. He's the maker of humanity. He holds the pattern of humanity. That's why when you pray and they tell you the doctor, you're going to die, and this leukemia is going to get you, God changes it. And the doctor says, I don't know what happened. Maybe our instruments were wrong. Maybe. Maybe not. Because he holds the pattern and the the uh, code and the reparations of your soul. And that's how he can do it. So there is no other person for you to be saved by. Because God, God gets every other nation to the fallen angels. I told y'all to buy that book, Psalm 82. That's a good book. It, it answers a whole lot of questions. And he kept one nation, one seed. He Not even just one nation. He wasn't even a nation. He had one seed. We don't find that out until we get in Galatians where he said, he said, he said seeds and not seeds as of many, but one seed. The same life seed that brought Adam into existence traveled down the genetic tree to become the propitiation for our sins. No other 
gene pool could do it. See, y'all out here, they're not hearing me. You, no other gene pool, no other general, no other none. Because we did not come from stars. I know y'all, some of y'all scientific saints, y'all like to watch that stuff and, you know, you, you see it all and uh, you, you see, you believe that everything that comes out of there, if it, they, got, they don't have it. Because remember, if they are really born of the, of the Godhead's gene pool, they're not going to talk to you about angels creating you. They're not going to talk to you about us being like a birthing star and birthing something. They're not going to talk to you like that. They're going to prove scientifically that Scripture is correct. And I've been giving you all that for the last several months. They can argue with me all day long about it. I'm like, but if you're a scientist, prove it. Because that's what you do. Prove it. So the Bible says that the spirit of man goes upward. Ecclesiastes 3.21, you're going to love this. Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward and the spirit of the beast that goes downward to the earth? God has always ordained that the spirit of the fallen beast. Now, I don't know about those that got, because God got preached about them. He got them in heaven, I think. So, but you can't, I don't know how much you, you know, we have all dogs go to heaven. They have to be born again. Because animal, because demons inhabit dog animals. And so what better way to get back into God's world illegally than in a creature? So you love your dog and love them real good while you're here, but they're not going to heaven. Just like you can't go without a new spirit and a converted soul and a transformed mind. <laughs> Wait a I love dogs. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so upset that I can't get a dog. I love them. But a dog is an animal, and they, they came under the curse. Now, there is a, you know, there's a whole lot of theology about it because you say, well, you know, God subjected them in, in hope. Yeah, he subjected creation in hope, but he still does not need dead spirits coming back into his world. He doesn't need contaminated spirits. He doesn't need spirits that are infected and, and, and destroyed by the demonic strongholds of those 69 principalities that he surrendered all of the human seed and all of creation seed. So let's read this. So you know how science keeps likening us, I watch these things and I read them, and keeps likening humanity as part of the angels when God said we were made in his image and likeness? I watched a, um, a program that talked about how, you know, the same space, Space dust is just like the same earth. So in other words, clearly, space dust fell on the earth. And that's how we were made. Because they not they never put that demarcation in their teaching that says that when God cursed the ground, the earth that we that created us is not the earth that mutated us. So we often I hope that you all all right. Look at them. See if they all right. Cause you know I'll be. Just look at them. Just go look at them, guys. Are you okay? Y'all all right? Just wave at me. Give me a little, little happy wave. Okay. Just, just tell me. Are they waving? I just need y'all to just let me know y'all okay. 
so we have you. You all go to science. You've gone to science classes. You've had, you know, some of you all have degrees, and you kind of buy into that humanity is like the apes, like a primate, and all of that. That is not how we began, but that is how we re we uh, mutated after sin took over the planet. It's part of the reason why, and God had to do that. He had to downgrade us. He said, "Curse." He said to Adam. Curse is the earth, or curse is the ground for your sake. Now, the ecology of all creation was affected by this fall because the authority to push back on it and to restrain it has surrendered and thus been mutated, changed as a result. See, those spirits were already in the atmosphere, but they were bound until they got Adam's authority. They could not, their contaminations could not take effect until they had the right to enter Adam and use his authority to pervert the world, to release all of the the crimes that they had committed, to release the mortality that was a consequence of their crime, to release the consciousness, the psyche, the sickness, the disease, all of those, that curse was in that tree. And that was the knowledge Adam didn't have. That's why he was deceived. And he, wasn't de- and he really wasn't deceived because God said the woman was deceived, but Adam was just rebellious. He was just arrogant. So we get this now, this latest thing is because the cosmic dust has the same, you know, elements and, and properties and particles as that which is on the earth, clearly man was made by stars, or like stars are brought into existence. Can you believe this was being taught? And people are going in debt for this. Y'all went in debt for a lot of foolishness. And so they believe and they teach that because of that, humanity, we, we, when we got made, we, the same thing that made the beast made us and vice versa. So we're like them. And you know the whole evolution story that, you know, we just kind of started out and then we just grew into whatever this is. They've never proven it. And they can keep teaching it. You know why? Because by the time it's 100% disproved or it happened millions and millions of years ago, they can't prove it. And you know what? They don't care. They don't care that it's unprovable because they know they're going to be dead when it all happens. So they don't care. So when they start talking to me about that, I'm like, you prove prove evolution because I can prove the Bible a lot more than you can prove that a, a, a turned into something. Ecclesiastes says there's a 
the, the, the spirit of man ascends. God intended for our spirits to always rise. Sin weighted our spirit by contaminating it so much, correcting it so much, it can only drop. He was so cool. He's like, y'all not coming back up here. We got gravity in the core of the earth. Y'all are never coming back up here like y'all know. That's why they were building the Tower of Babylon. And so they say that we're like animals. And you know what? When Adam fell and when those spirits got done with with God's specimens, Everything about us became animalistic. You realize that sexual immorality came from scientists who told you we're like monkeys and primates, and as a result, because we're like them, because we die like them, then we ought to be as perverse as they are, and we have out-perverted the creature. At least they get together once a year to reproduce or something other than the monkeys. And they walk, they get to walk around with, you know, they don't wear clothes. They do wear clothes. They got fur, yeah. which we steal and wear ourselves. All right. <laughs> so Ecclesiastes says that humans are like animals. They breathe and die, and we are no better off than they are. It just doesn't make sense. That was a problem for him. He was like, but well, if we're supposed to be the elegant creation of the Almighty, why are we dying like animals? Because that's what we inherited. That's what the, gene- the human genome is programmed to do. That's what creation is doing. The, o- the ecology. God wasn't just trusting it happening with us. He made sure that the earth was cursed and produced death. And he said all living creatures go to the same place. We are made from the earth and we return to the earth. Who really knows if our spirits go up and the beast, uh, spirits of animals go down into the earth? But ours doesn't. Our spirit doesn't. God, he destroys body and soul. Now, he does something else. We can go on, but we're going to go with this because we're running out of time. And he says, and, and so Peter's talking about the, the you know, the whole bestiality. We are, we're beasts. Humans are beasts, which is why you get crazy humans think that they ought to reproduce or copulate with animals. Because they don't, because they believe science is lied that we just like them. They just walk on all fours. These people are no better than senseless animals that live by their feelings and are born to be caught and killed. They speak evil things they don't know anything about, but their own corrupt deeds will destroy them. All right? That's Peter's point. Isn't God good? Now, Jude... I want to see if I can get that. Let me see where Jesus is. I got him in here. I promise you I put him in here somewhere. Or maybe I did. I'll just read it. Jude. I got it. I want to read Jude because you should hear this. Because you're trying to understand why people are crazy. We're trying to understand all of that. They don't have the mind of Christ. We must make that plain for people. And as I'm reading it, my... uh... Are you out there, prophet? Come on. Oh, Lord. You hear that, yes? You know what that means. So, ending this with Jude 1, 
uh, 6 through 17, you also know about the angels who didn't do their work and left their proper places. Now, that was common doctrine that devils came from fallen angels. And so Jude talked to them as if people already know it. Okay, he said, but God chained them with everlasting chains and is now keeping them in the dark pits until the great day of judgment. So you say, well, Dr. Price, if they're chained, where are they? God chained the princes so that they would never have the, ch- the opportunity or the freedom to reproduce or redo what they did that caused the flood. But remember, a third of the angels, he didn't chain all, all of the thirds. He chained those that were the cause, consequences, and effects. We should also be warned by what happened to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the nearby towns. Their people became immoral and did all sorts of sexual sins. Then God made an example of them and punished them with eternal fire. And wanted to let you know the fire that came down from heaven which are also going to be meeting them, would be their new abode in hell. The people I'm talking about are behaving just like those dreamers who destroyed their own bodies. Now, we call them dreamers, but if you go and read other translations, it's talking about the gay and lesbian lifestyle. They reject all authority and insult angels. Even Michael, the chief angel, didn't dare to insult the devil when the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. And all Michael said was, the Lord will punish you. But these people insult powers they don't know anything about. And then when we're dealing with Facebook, when y'all said, y'all don't know, and you're a false prophet, y'all these people. Y'all biblical. You're right here. Okay? They are like sickless animals that end up getting destroyed because they live only by their feelings. Which is why the enemy knows that he can keep, if he can keep humanity locked in feelings and emotions, he can see to their destruction and our annihilation. Because wisdom is something else. And so, Jude, now they are in for real trouble. They have followed Cain's example and have made the same mistake that Balaam did by caring only for money. They have also rebelled against God just as Quran did because of all of this, they will be destroyed. These people are filthy-minded. You want to know what television is about? These are these people. And Jude is James' brother, which means he's Jesus' brother, which means he had a whole lot of years to hear Jesus speak and to be taught and trained by the Almighty because he had the privilege of having his sovereign covenant God become his elder brother. Okay, so they're filthy-minded, and by their shameful and selfish actions, they spoil the meals you eat together, talking about communion. Why? Because they're acting as if they're acting the way they did with the polytheistic deity. You ate, like we do the dating thing. You ate, you have sex, and then you move into an orgy. And that's the dating thing, but sometimes you don't even get to eat, uh-huh, and they don't even want to feed you. Okay, they are like... <laughs> They are like clouds blown along by the wind but never bringing any rain. They are like leafless trees uprooted and dead and unable to produce fruit. Their shameful deeds show up like foam on wild ocean waves. They are like wandering stars. Original was planted. But anyhow, we told you it's falling stars, looking for a home. Did I not say it? Because you all think that I'm just being just whatever. I read this word. 
I love this boy. I love this man. I love his author. And because I love his author, I respect his work. Okay, they're like wandering stars um, um, forever doomed to the darkest pits of hell. Right now they're wandering, but when they're, when they're done, when God's done with what they're supposed to do to prepare you or test you for eternity, then they go to hell too. Enoch was the seventh person after Adam, and he was talking about these people when he said, look, the Lord is coming with thousands and thousands of holy angels to judge everyone. He will punish all those ungodly people for all the evil things they have done. The Lord will surely punish those ungodly sinners for every evil thing they have ever said about them. Mm, that's pretty interesting. These people grumble and complain and live by their own selfish desires. They brag about themselves and flatter others to get what they want. You want a profile of the carnal man, of the carnal soul? That's it. Wow. Oh, I'm changing my highlight. Ooh. It probably went to the event and didn't come home. It is? Okay, so you want to start? Um, I think today, I think today, uh, powerful, powerful things that are just changing, changing, changing how we're seeing God, how we're seeing ourselves. You talked about the nakedness piece today, and I think that's so important how, but I, I'm, I'm curious because I think that someone out there that may watch this later may have this question too, so I'm wondering if you cover it. Why did we start without clothes? In the Bible? Yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm sure it might be just a simple answer, but I'm just thinking that in, just in that discussion that people may ask that today, because you talked about the fact that you know, the, the devil just robe us and God clothes us. I understand uh, you talked about, you also said today that when we fell, when, when man fell, God clothed us. Why did we start without clothes? Was it because of the absence of sin? Well, there was nobody there but the two. That's number one. Husband and wife. He said they were both naked and they were not ashamed. So that's number one. Number two, they, had, they were covered by the glory of God. But number three, it was an empty planet. Like, where were they going to get clothes from? There was no mall. Right. There was no manufacturer. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have their capacity, the ability to even design clothes on themselves. Remember? Big yeah. leaves. So they started without clothes because how would God keep them clothed? You understand know what I'm saying? Right. He's like, well, they don't need clothes. It's me and them. We've already been together. I created them like that. And so Ultimately, I'm sure their task would have been, and maybe not, that because sexual, sexual perversion was not in their makeup yet. That they got from the serpent at the tree. You know how people talk about uh, providence, how people say, you know, we come into the world naked. Where is the mall, the, the, mall, the shopping center, and the birth canal? Where is that? I just don't know. I mean, you make it sound like, because the first thing we do is put clothes on a baby so they don't get sick. Unless, of course, you want them other, you know, those other people that do all of that stuff and you don't care about your kids because your your ideology becomes the, the springboard for your parenting. <laughs> Uh, you, talked about, <laughs> you talked about today, I think, something really powerful, too. Our soul is not secure. You talked about the fact that we have an extensive, agonizing vetting process. Um, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, 
Oh, but I just love that because you know we've been on Soku for for a while now and just talked about having to be saved to the conversion of your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what? Okay, at what point do we completely compromise our salvation? Because you know, in other words, what? I, I guess outside of apostasy, how how do we end up condemning ourselves and compromise our soul status? I don't know if you can answer that in one question, but it's just something that was on my mind, y'all. She was saying this because we only think of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You know, we think of huge, huge things. Um, when in reality, just listening to this message today, I'm thinking a lot of us are going in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, the first, other than the fact of Ezekiel 36, 24, onward telling us that we got a new spirit, but, you know, we were told, most of us were told, at least in my coming up, that your spirit couldn't be contaminated, it couldn't be dirt. Right. But your soul can damage and really corrupt your, your new creation spirit. It certainly can dirty it. Here's um, 2 Corinthians 7, one. My friends, God has made us these promises, so we should stay away from everything that keeps our bodies and spirits from being clean. We should... We should honor God and try to be completely like him. And so he, this is what he says, and that's the seeking thing. But let's look at the king. I like King James. You know, king, kings think differently. They do. See, that's one of the things that get me. We kings and priests, and we think, we, we think like the subject. Okay, Second Corinthians, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. Now, why would he say that if people are saved? So clearly, you can do that. In Hebrews, he says that we must believe so we know lack of faith will keep you from getting your soul saved. Why? Because you will do what you believe. And if you believe sin is acceptable, you will do it despite the fact that it contaminates your soul. It dirties your soul. Peter says that we must receive the end of our faith, our faith, which is the salvation of our soul. But I like Brother Jude. Y'all like Jude. Brother Jude. Brother Jude. Jude was the Hickey. That was one little time. Baby, one little time. I'm telling you. And I'm like, boy, you and Jesus have some long talk. You know? I mean, when you think about it, he, he had one little things. I mean, I'm sure I think he had a lot more, but you know how that goes. But Jude talked about he said, um, let me get this right, because I'm just absolutely, um, now unto him. Okay. And he says, this is what you start at 117. But you, beloved, remember the words spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that this man was the brother of the Savior, and he endorsed the apostles, and saying, remember the words spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you all are going to write me and say, yeah, but they did. Yeah, but when they got recommissioned, he was dead. Okay? So we saw, we, we covered the dead issue. <laughs> because they told you that at the last time, there will be mockers following ungodliness according to their lust. Did he not say that? He said, these are they setting themselves apart, animal-like ones, not having the spirit. We're still in this animalistic thing. Because yeah. see, science has talked you into being bestial. I'm going to be 
if it's I'm gonna, you know, you got people getting things put in their face and yes. horns put in their head because they have been bought by those one of them sixty nine spirits, sixty nine principalities whose genetic tree they emerge from. And he said, so, but you, beloved, oh, God, I just love this. Building yourselves up by your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, people keep telling you you don't have to pray in the Spirit. He's saying your faith will flounder and waver when you don't pray in the Spirit. Because praying in the Holy Ghost has enormous transactions and exchanges that you don't even understand. Too many of us talk about the debt. And then he said, keep yourselves in the love of God, not the love of Cupid, not the lewdness of Cupid, eagerly awaiting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And pity some. You know how you like to be alone? Y'all, some of y'all is like out there, out there, y'all like, you know, picked off by devils and wolves, left, right, whatever. He said, and, and pity some, making a distinction. But save others with fear, snatching them out of the fire. I love this. Hating even the garment being stained with the fresh. What is the garment? Your soul. Because sin stains your soul. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just, man, I love it. And so I'm like, mm mm. You have to, and I go through all of these words. I promise you I do. And I am excited because God really wants to keep us. It says so, and like what he says, but some have compassion making a difference. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about making a difference. Let's see. Brother Thayer is something. I like him. He seems to be quick. Separate, discriminate. In other words, discriminate between whether or not they're in rebellion or whether they're victims. Okay? That person who's been molested all of their lives, we need to distinguish them from that person who lived a good life and decided, I just don't like this. So we have to be thoughtful in our judgment, you know, because sometimes you get all of this knowledge, and some of y'all get so puffed up with knowledge, you forget love. You forget compassion. You forget being there for the saints. And then it says, what others say with fear, um, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment. Spotted by the flesh. And I, I, I really do. I thank God for that. You know? And so he's talking about the garment, which is the tunic, and undergarments usually worn next to the skin, a garment, a vestment. So your soul is the undergarment of your body. Oh, Jesus. Do you have another question? <laughs> I think I speak for everyone that we all need you to go back to. <laughs> there were many things today, y'all, so I'm just going to pick one. I hope it's your one. Okay, maybe Bob will actually help you out. Okay, you said Jesus did not come back home until he was born again in the heart of the earth. I just need you to go back to it. I just need you to elaborate just a little bit more. So we was all like on stuff on skip on that one. So could you go back and talk about that just one more again? I think it's worthy, y'all. This is a worthy of talking about that again. Praise God. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really do get a kick out of um, I'm going to go here. I get a kick out of here. 
I mean, let's start at Colossians 3 1. If you, let me just read it in the language y'all like, okay, because I'm. Huh? Other statement you can make about when he put him in Mary's embryo. That's where we're going. He locked him back. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is the statement. Okay. So if you've been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on what is above and not on what is on the earth. For you died. Salvation kills you, slaughters your spirit. That's why you get a new spirit. And your new spirit is of God. And your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. So you in there with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And with the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed. Okay, you go on. So I'm going to go down. He says, I love God. When the Messiah is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. Colossians, HCSB. That is the Holman, uh, I like this. I love this Bible to make things make sense to you, but the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So you are supposed to kill your pre-salvation self, spiritually. I need to go commit suicide. We need to finish this off. Your nature. So what? You know how to, you know how the preachers say the Lord's not your nature and my nature came up on me? You're supposed to kill that. He wasn't supposed to propagate that. He was supposed to tell you to kill that. She was supposed to tell you to slaughter it. So it says, um, and then he said, put away what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, because they are what? Idolatry. I told you, the God concept. Your sexual, um, your sexual lust, your midnight passion, those are demons. Those are God things. See, that's about the God that the God that once owned you, your mama's God, your daddy's God, coming to see if there's a knock, 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 a way in. It says, look at this, because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. Why? Because he expects you to pull on your new creation spirit, which is fused with his Holy Spirit, supplying you with the power and grace you need to be to fend off the return visit. Of your own deity. He expects you to fend them off. And, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must put away all of the following anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language out of your mouth. You know, your cousin Christians that like to cuss us out on Facebook? See, that's your old worldly nature. And that comes from lingering or residual idolatry. That's why you keep talking your old God's language. Mm-hmm. See, because your old God is a cousin. Your old God. Your old God. You had an old one. Come on. And he said, do not lie to one another since you have put on the old self with its practices. Mm. And have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of, uh, of your creator. Now, think about this. Knowledge, the more I speak, the more you're getting renewed. The more knowledge I give you, the more options you have. You now can opt out of sin. You can opt out of cussing. You can opt out of lying because you now have more information. So you, before it was an opinion to opinion, but when you get into the word, which is why your your modern trending preachers want you out of the Bible, 
Because when you get into this word, you realize there's no place for you to do those in Christ, and there's no hope for you if you continue in. Because it's for the help. The, the word is the help. So he said, so you, you can do that. Now let's go on. Now, in Christ, there's neither Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, excuse me, barbarian or Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and love, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against one another, just as the Lord forgave you. And above all, put all love, and he goes on and he said, let the peace of the Messiah. So he's telling you that you are always struggling with your residual idolatry and its demand, practice, and do. That they don't go away because you get saved. They just wait for you to stop being, be tired of being saved. Isn't that true? They just wait for you to atop, just get tired of salvation. When you get tired, then you stop. And you and they know they just wait because they know you probably have a history of never sticking with what you start. Because let me tell you something: when you have a real salvation, let me tell you something: when you have a real salvation, I promise you, sin can't tempt you because you and your devil, you and you and your devil are too incompatible. Because daily, your growing in Christ makes you more and more incompatible with Satan. See, some of y'all still sinning because you're still compatible with Satan because you still don't want to feel the pain of saying goodbye. It's so hard to say goodbye. It's too hard. You don't want to feel that. You don't want to have to fight through your your rage. You don't want to have to fight through your grief. You're not sure God is going to bless you if you turn down this ungodly thing. You're unsure, but the more you, the more certain you become. Somebody's going to hear me. For Jesus, some of Jesus, the preeminence of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I know you thought I wasn't going to get this. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. God made everything for Jesus. Now, here's it. This is good. Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. So when you get rid of Christ, you've got rid of creation. And he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead so that he might come, look at this, to have first place in everything. For it pleased God to have all of his, the almighty, fullness dwell in him, his son. So when God put Jesus, that measure of Jesus, because, you know, the Godhead is everything. I mean, you know, a drop of Jesus. I mean, come on, a man dead. Drop, a drop of Jesus is going to change the world. The man dropped the blood in the, in the God's eye. He said, and I can see. A drop, the man, dead drop. This wasn't even a... <laughs> and so a drop of Jesus is like all of creation because like the human cell, everything is in. You know? And so the minute God put Jesus, and I mean the Jesus part of himself, because remember Jesus said he came as the Father and the Spirit. 
Because Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. He said, I've been this long with you. You still don't know me? You still can't recognize that I am all of that. The Lord your God is one. So the minute Jesus got into Mary's womb and fertilized her egg, her mortal soul became mixed with him. And the reason her soul was mortal became taken on by him. So the same way that Mary, when she died, because everybody who died back then, other than those Bibles wanted to mention, but or, or like them, but the reason Mary's death would automatically send her to hell, because that's the way of all the earth, David said as much, is the same reason why Jesus can go back home. He had to purge her mortality from his soul. <laughs> So how did he do it? How did he do it? He did it by shedding his blood, because remember, blood and the soul are mixed. So he did it by shedding his blood. He did it by dying on the cross. The minute he, he separated from his physical body, his soul had to go to the place of judgment where contaminated blood is judged and punished. Because remember, it was not, it's not the physical blood, the organic tissue that we know. It is the power or the life force and form of that tissue, which I was, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. So in order for Jesus to get back home, he had to be born again, that, which is why Colossians says he's the firstborn from the dead. In hell. In hell. If he was not born again, or if God found anything unperfect in his blood, or in his death, his blood would not have been returned to him. His sinless blood. Oh, Jesus. Did you want to say something? Did I answer your question? So he got a new, when he got, literally, when the Holy Ghost, came to quicken Jesus in the earth because his spirit had already gone home. Remember, guys? He said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So his spirit had made it back home. His soul couldn't get back home. His body couldn't get back home. Okay. So you ain't talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in hell, in hell, was it the authority that he had as the Godhead that gave him the power to be born again in him? He preached the gospel in him. He showed his faith in God's plan. Because it said he preached the gospel in hell. Because he didn't just go to hell for the people who were under the Mosaic law. He went to hell for everything that was Abraham and everything that was before Abraham. So everything that was in him before the foundation of the world was in hell. That's why after he died, does anybody remember that little, that little very um, sublime passage that said, and the graves opened? Yeah. The graves opened and people came who were under the law of Moses, went to visit their relatives and say, guys, this is true. First of all, they'll wait. <laughs> See, that's, that's the movie moment of life. Oh, hard stuff. Keep that. Because, you know, and under Satan, you are a zombie. 
But on yes. Christ, they came all born again, renewed. Ding dong. Somebody at the door. And then your grandmother. But remember, remember this. It's very difficult, you're right, to imagine such. But remember, in that realm, the gate hadn't been closed. Sure. These people interacted with God's world and the invisible world all the time, which is what they're trying to do now. And the difference back then was that they had, there was no church, no Christianity, but God wanted them to know that they, it wasn't only that the veil was rent, but that the whole, the death couldn't hold the righteous. Everybody had rise, only those who died in faith who were of the children of Abraham or Enoch, who had no children, but you get my point. Right. Yeah, I'm assuming, but that may not. Yeah, he did have children. He had some children because he just stopped walking with God until they were grown. So, so we keep talking about, that's why when people keep talking about the law of Moses and that the Jews, I'm like, but before there was a Jew, there were saints who were dying in faith. And God talked about them under the, there, you know, the, the, the prophets who died in faith. But before that, we had we had Abel. He had a chance to get up. I know we didn't think about that, but we had Abel. We had a lot of people who were martyred and slaughtered. And the reason God let that happen and wouldn't even let Satan take it out of the Bible because you know he took a lot of power out, but because he wanted them to know there's a hope in this thing. And that hope is an everlasting hope. And everybody who died in faith, we love the. We love to talk about the, the, what do you call it, the uh, hall of faith in Hebrews 11. All of them, that's what they're talking about. So God is literally discussing, I think this is so powerful, he's discussing that when I rose from the dead, I cleaned the bloodstream of humanity, which was the blood be against you. That was the judgment, the judgment of humanity. Come on, Ooh, Jesus, He's clean, and so everybody who died in righteousness, he froze them in time. Until such time as the restitution of all things. Okay. See, now His faith saved him, but everyone else. Because everybody who, who believes in the law, the How in the world did we get so far <laughs> from the truth? <laughs> you have been rolling this thing out and rolling it out and rolling it out. This is how you know genuine apostles yeah. are not walking the planet as they could. Or they're so far underground, because look at what it took us to get you yeah. oh, to, to be hurt. Yeah. To, to be hurt. Yeah. Now we're working at spread it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to get your head up and say, okay, say. And you can tell that God is ready to take this thing back. Yeah. Because getting this kind of information yeah. in the hands of the saints is a very, very timely, smart move. And nothing short of this level of truth is going to do it. Yeah. Because, Go ahead. Because Satan has really really hijacked mm-hmm. Jesus' life. You talk about identity theft. Yeah. So many things that he's pimping and marketing as his, as his own. Mm-hmm. 
really being Jesus Christ. I'm sitting here right now thinking, this is right here. You come from one book. Every week. And this level of revelation is this level of revelation because we haven't heard it. No, and we and because we allow the enemy was so split, he boxed it into theology. Yes. He boxed it under doctrine. He boxed it into risk. He boxed it, and we keep saying we're out the box, out the box. No, you're not. Because the, the difference between me and this book and most people is that I deal with the author. What makes your relationship with me different? You it's deal direct. with the author. It's direct. And it's direct, and you know that it's correct. Because I'm going to correct you. Actually, that's not me. You know, you know, what do I say? You're, uh uh-uh. You know that's not. So God says, and I love Isaiah 44 where he said, but you are my messengers. That I am God. Woo. He said, and you are my witnesses. And when with the apostles, their job was to witness Christ. And instead, we witness the church. Instead, that we witness the kingdom. Instead, we witness the religion. We witness the whatever. We witness everything but the man, Christ Jesus. Apostles are not called by a system. They're not called by an institution. Now, we had the apostles to the churches, but even they had to remain loyal to the call of the man, Christ Jesus. What we missed over these years is when the apostles were brought back online, they were brought back online as evangelicals, right. as charismatic, yeah, yeah, yeah. as word of faithers. They were not brought back on as the archetypical um, agent of the throne of Christ. Which we stopped preaching about. We don't even talk about Jesus, but Jesus in the West. Because we're, I mean, you talk about you're talking about how many kingdom messages you have. Jesus is in the way of my church growth. Yeah, he's in the way of my growth. <laughs> he's, he's in the way of my tithing. He's all in the way of you my worship. I can't tell you how many people have counseled me not to preach this. Trust yeah. me, I've had you know you've heard oh, yeah. and, 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 and I mean, I've been told you're not going to grow, you're not going to get big, people are not going to like you. Oh, people hate the truth. That's what they said. People hate truth. But God said, when I get through whooping on that behind, they're going to be sick of the lie. Oh, they and I'm telling you, I've been told. And because I never would back down, I'm like, okay, so you don't want to take my calls anymore? I'll be all right. Okay, so you don't want to say you know me? That's fine. You don't want to just, that's fine. Because I still, one thing I firmly believe is that eternal life is forever. And I'm going to have a longer problem with Christ than I would have with you. And so I kept doing it. And so he started teaching me. And then over the last five years, yes, I did. I was like, he's my honey. You know, that's like me, you know, uh, lying on my parents or abandoning my parents or, or, or literally abandoning, you know, my, my covenant and, and anything else. And so I'm like, Jesus, he's my honey. I said, and I don't like what happened to you. So you all are feel like and God will do all right because he's the almighty. You'll feel like God will be fine. I mean, that's all he is, God. I mean, he is almighty. But I know he's God, and I know he's almighty. But I know his heart bleeds. And I know that the injustice done to him is just wrong. And if we did it to a human, we have all kinds of causes for cases. Oh, yeah. And so I want to, I told God, you deserve it. You gave your life for this. He deserves what is his. 
and to do it for something that he's already judged, condemned, and killed. I mean, we're walking around here, you know, all of these movies about zombies and eating whatever. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that comes from? Devils eating humans. You know, because God said, he, I am the resurrection and the life. So when he finished those people, the people who died in faith in his law, faith in Adam, uh, in Abraham's circumcision, faith in Noah's building that ark, faith in Enoch teaching the world. Anybody hear me? To accept and bringing God back online of that. Come on. All those people, it wasn't just the law of Moses. It was all of those people who died believing that the Almighty is indeed alive, existent, and in control. Well, we also don't teach that the gospel was preached to them. No, we don't. And I remember when you preached that first time, I was like, but, but so many more things make sense. Mm-hmm. And we say the word doesn't make sense because we are not teaching it with any kind of sense. And it's mankind that's messing it up, uh, not the book. Not the book. Uh, but we don't have a few minutes left. I want to tell all of our viewers, if you did not do so already, yesterday we premiered a video of Dr. Price called Healing the Soul of a Nation. And she just taught that in Tulsa and... Was that that recently? It feels like it was six months ago. Bless God. We've lived a lot of life. But she taught it at the John Hillcrest Symposium we had here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was invited to be a speaker. We wanted her to teach forever. But I want everybody to watch it. A lot of people already have since yesterday. And to share it and to put that in the hands of influencers. Because this wisdom that you have and even like you said in the audio archive, is about taking this to the nations. Let's start with our own. Mm-hmm. And the healing power of Jesus Christ and strategy. And I'm not even going to get into everything she taught on there. Go watch it yourself. And I will say my favorite statement, though. Go ahead, say it. Success is not racist. Oh, yeah. Right? But failure is. Failure is. If you want to know what came before and after that statement, <laughs> you need to watch that video. Yeah. Uh, and it's up there, and it'll be up there, because we want this to make its rounds and make its rounds and make its rounds and open doors. Because we're all good at saying, Don Price, you need to be here. Don Price, so and so needs to hear you. But some of you have those connections. Some of you can make phone calls. Some of you can send emails and say, you know what, watch this. It don't, hey, look, if you don't want to sell yourself, just say, watch this lady. And the contact information is in the post to reach her, to reach me, to reach her. And let's make something happen with this wisdom. Absolutely. And it's time to. It's time to give. There we go. I'm green now. It's time to give. So we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Rachel's putting that on the screen for you guys now. The three different ways you know our cash app. Her tag there is Dr. Paula Price. And then also you can give via paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price and text to give 918-608-1378. This word needs an offering. Y'all need to pass the point on this word, so please take that moment to do that right now. It's so important. It's an equally important part of the show as everything else. We need you to take a moment to sow your seed uh, today, and Rachel's put those options on the screen for you, so please do that. Well, we've come to the end. I thank you for joining. 
do me a favor, share this. As she said, share, share, share. I get big. You know, Paul said that his apostleship was enlarged by a sphere that included people, that relied on people. So uh, my sphere will get as big as you send and share, etc. And also as big as you back, back and finance. You know, you have to recognize that you you might listen to your preacher or somebody Christian say, well, you know what, that's just not God, whatever. But you have to ask yourself, is there a response bound, bound in what is resisting you? Because he is just like God uses people, so does the enemy. So you have to make the decisions of, of your own mind. Paul said just be persuaded in your own heart. You have to be persuaded in your own heart that this is God, this is truth, and peace, and the world needs it. And when you're persuaded, act on that persuasion. And say, so I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm going to be part of the evangelist. I'm going to be part of the funder. I'm going to be part of making this happen. People are suffering. You know, and churches are being shut down and destroyed by droves. And just imagine, you can be a part of stopping that and reversing a good bit of it. So share, share, and share, and then so, so, and so, and then share so and do some more. Amen? We'll meet again on Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. God bless you. Have a great weekend.